Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with a red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well guys, uh, we are into our summer previews. Um, Ohio State and Indiana are live. We've got uh, Penn State and Maryland coming up shortly. Uh, within the next week or so, but uh, a lot has been going on in the world of, of college football that uh, and, and Northern football as well, that uh, we would be remiss if we just kind of let this all slide through. So uh, here with a little mini pod tonight, uh, got a couple things to cover uh, before we get back to our previews. Um, where shall we begin? Maybe with the expansion of the college football playoff? To from four to twelve, um, we will never expand the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah, we'll we never will ha- totally expand. The college we football will playoff. never have a college football playoff. Oh, we do. <laughs> yeah. So money talks. Um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Kind of listening to. I mean, this is all this has been happening for a while, so we've had a chance to kind of digest it and see sort of the. What's been going on, you know, what people are talking about and kind of the underbelly of what it seems to look like at this point. Um, You know, what I find interesting is they're going to have six automatic qualifiers as conference champions and then six at-large spots. And they definitely made a point to say, not say the Power Five ones are automatic. So if, like, the Pac-12 doesn't get its stuff together and you know Boise State has a magical year and um Coastal Carolina has another magic year Memphis goes off Cincinnati you know and any of these group of five teams that are in different conferences if they have amazing seasons are ahead of a quote-unquote power five team they you know those two could be guaranteed births that, that I think is the most interesting part yeah, I think that's the the part that football fans get most excited about, right? I think um, we that's been the 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 main bugaboo, right? Is that you're feeling like a lot of the non power five schools are kind of left on the outside looking in, and and I've always personally kind of not liked the argument that's like, yeah, but those schools would get pasted, and it's like probably I don't care, I want to see those games played. Um, it's the same thing as like March Madness, right? It's like, yeah, you have a million times, you know, a 15 plays a two and the 15, the two just whoops on the 15 a ton of times, but you know what? Sometimes it goes the other way. And those are the ones we remember. So yeah, you're going to have some of those, some of those smaller schools just creep in most years, probably like one, maybe two, um, and then a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, those teams are going to get fed to the Lions. And it's like, maybe they will. And maybe that's how it'll break down. But I want the chance. I'm the kind of person who I'll, turn, I'll tune in just on the off chance that something really special will happen. Um, and I even think of, you know, Boise, Boise's bowl game against Oklahoma, right? And yeah, it was a dramatic finish. But the fact that Boise got to play Oklahoma on a huge stage in the Fiesta Bowl and get that kind of win... Um, anything that gives us more opportunities for something like that is fine by me. Yeah, I like 
and we've talked about this in the past. I'm I'm pro expansion. I think it's it's silly to pretend that that wasn't going to happen at some point. I'm also just a little like I'm a little skeptical that we're not going to be seeing you know nine and three Auburn in there instead of eleven and one Cincinnati. But you know what I mean, like. Um, oh, I, I think we absolutely will see nine and three Auburn in there. If, if, but if, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends. What rankings are they using? Like, what is their criteria for for ranking? Is it going to be a committee again? You know, what? And you know, with an eleven. The way you one, said that, Sam, it just made me think. What is your favorite color? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's the, the level of criteria that, that they're going to be using <laughs> to decide who goes in. And um, unfortunately, the laundry is is still going to play a, a, a massive role. And I just, I just want to, um, I just want to quibble with you, Scuzz. Um, in the Brian Harson era, three losses represents the absolute basement of what Auburn can achieve in a given year. I think more likely 12 and 0, 11 and 1 in a typical year is what we're going to be looking they're at. They're going to go 13 and 0 and not even play in the conference championship. Exactly. I don't right. I think they just get a buy to the championship game of the playoff is how it works, but no. Um no totally. And I think that is so on one hand you're you're totally right, right where this will most likely you know, while we're all thinking about the group of five teams, et cetera, and the chance for a couple of those to get in, right? Like the SEC is probably going to end up having a field day in a situation like this. Um, and, and you know, but it's like, I think like we've all been so cynical about all these processes for so long that I feel like even though this is a giant cash grab, I still feel like our, our thinking on it is a little colored because of everything that's happened up to this point where at the end of the day this is a pretty good thing that most of us want and is going to produce some pretty good football so you know i i'm pretty solid on it at the end of the day yeah i guess i mean for me and and this is you know rich coming from the from the analytics guy right like i like i want i want the clear criteria and and i and i i mean 12 spots Give a spot to every conference champion. Be done. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, like we were we were talking before we got on the pod. Sam, you were bemoaning the idea of like, are the Montreal Canadiens really going to make the Cup final as like the 18th best team in the NHL? Like, that's what happens when you have you know like clear criteria of who goes to the playoffs and who doesn't versus a bunch of you know muckety mucks in a room deciding. And I just like I I. I prefer some of the chaos and goofiness that comes with um, the clear criteria and the idea that, you know, some year, you know, 10 and three Northwestern knocks off a, a undefeated Michigan in the big 10 championship game and goes to the playoff. Like, great. That's cool. I'm, well, I'm, the, I'm here for that. The fallacy there is you have an undefeated Michigan and wow. I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. I didn't want anybody <laughs> thinking I was, I was, I was coming Sam, up with anything other than a hypothetical. Sam, don't step on the summer previews. Come on now. <laughs> uh, the, um, the one other thing I'll say, and I suppose this is, is a soft transition, not necessarily pushing us in this direction, but, um, in terms of the timeline of the 12 team playoff, right? I think one of the things people have pointed to is that you're likely to see this, this take effect 
maybe a year or two later than people are expecting because of the current rights deal. And that I think that that it behooves the powers that be to let the current TV contract play out so that there will have to be a bidding war on this new format. And that that allows them to, you know, to make the oodles of dollars that they hope to make off of this. Here's here's the thing, though. I mean, you can't make this an announcement in 2021 and say, oh, yeah, in six years because that's what it is it's after the 20 i think it's after the 2026 season um yeah but like right. you can't you can't say oh yeah in in five six years we're gonna change this oh um, right i mean sh- sham there's i mean there's there's no way we can adjust our scheduling in the short term i mean we just we just scheduled a home and home with baylor for 2034 <laughs> yeah. oh wait b you needs to play coastal carolina tomorrow go right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, exactly. i mean it's we're, we're pretending the last 12 months didn't happen and right. that and that you know we're still stuck in this mode. I, like that being said though rights deals and contracts with networks like those folks are pretty good at writing contracts so yeah but I, you know right. you, you got you got to think though ESPN if if yes if they if the college football playoff goes to ESPN and says hey we want to tear we want to tear this up and do a new one ESPN's going to say oh we see money in expanding the playoff to 12 yeah we'll take all of it and here's oodles of cash because we will make oodles of cash right i think that it's a money some, maker and no, espn you, would be foolish not to take a look at it and then if that means it's tied to espn i mean all the bowl games are espn anyway not like fox is gonna pony up to get in on the playoff action no totally and i think you're gonna see some sort of meeting in the middle right where espn's like look like this is more money for all of us. Obviously, we want to avoid competition as much as we can, but we also want to get this thing started well ahead of what our current contract is and something will get hammered out. I was, you know, beyond that, even kind of looking at the idea, right, that um, to the point of, you know, to mention in 2021, well, in 2021, it's hard to have discussions about throwing around billions of dollars made on the backs of college athletes um, without talking about exactly what share of that goes to the college athletes, right? And I think that's almost kind of like in the in the same week that this playoff stuff dropped, you know, only a few days later, kind of the other shoe dropped on this stuff. Well, kind of. I mean, yes, that's true. But, um, you know, you're talking about the Supreme Court's 9-0 ruling on uh, – this on the case that they were um, talking about, which you unanimous agreement in America that the NCAA is done. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, my understanding, and I am in no way, shape, or form a constitutional lawyer, uh, nor do I pretend to be. But you know, my understanding is the case that they were looking at, you know, really is is more about you know the amount of benefits that a college can give to a student athlete as long as it's you know for educational purposes. But in the decision, or I guess it was not necessarily the decision, but the agreement to the decision, uh, Brett Kavanaugh pretty much opened the door and said, hey, anyone who wants to take on the NCAA, let's go. It's open season. Right. I mean, again, to your point, I think a lot of people were trying to armchair armchair litigate this uh, and figure out exactly, you know, project where it was going to be. But I mean... Right. The the scope of the decision 
of the case itself was very narrow, right? And it was like, what are the what rights do schools have in terms of providing academic benefits? And basically, like that could be anything. And, and that, internships and things like that. And and food, I think, was factored With into food? it in some ways also. And just how, and how, how stupid do you have to be as the NCAA to appeal this particular thing to the Supreme Court and well, risk what well, happened happened? Well, I mean, that's the thing though, because like they're their feeling is the minute and and they're, they're right the minute a hole opens in the dam the dam is gonna break and yeah, they're true. and they're just trying to plug all the holes and they can't but it's funny because the scope was super narrow but then you've got Kavanaugh in his concurring opinion like he used the phrase price fixing is price fixing and it's like that he said I think he said that um the NCAA business model would be illegal in any other industry in America. I believe that was the yeah, quote. I think right. that's right. So, I mean, the it's the the door is opened for all other legislation along these. And that's why, I mean, I think even even today, the day that we're recording this, the, NC, the you know, the NCAA, which has just been so piss poor at its attempt to get some sort of NIL legislation passed. Um, is is trying once again to furiously hammer something together because they're they 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 will not win another court decision on this. Well, like, and now I think like happen. seven or eight states are like ready to enact different legislation. It's happening next yeah. week. It's on, happening on July first. July first. July 1, right? There, right. Are, I think seven or eight that, states each have different rules that are coming up, and the NCAA had years. To get out in front of this. I mean, the writing has been on the wall on NIL for a really, really long time. And I think the NCAA knew it. And, you know, they, they've been dragging their heels trying to get Congress to do something for them. And, you know, any relying on Congress to do it, something for you. I mean, oh, my God. In in the wake of this court decision, um, I'm not, I'm not going to say to their credit, but they did have some conversations. And I think they're prepared to do something that effectively enables like blanket national NIL. Um, it's not a law, but an approach, but it, right? The so, thing is, um, NIL doesn't have to be a law. This is a, a rule that the NCAA has put out saying that if you yeah. get, if you make money, you will be deemed ineligible. They could literally tomorrow say, you know what? We're good. Never mind. Like, <laughs> well, this I, doesn't they, have they, to be a law. This is a rule that the NCAA is like, we're, you know, this is what we stand for. It's like, come on, guys. But but what I'm saying is they've 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 engaged meetings over the the course of the last two weeks. Nicole Auerbach was reporting on this. Like they've they've done such something to essentially do what you're suggesting of of like I, I don't know that they I don't know that they can convene the board of governors out of nowhere to like truly vote this rule out or whatever it is. But um, they've they've got something in place that allows them to effectively grant. NIL nationwide. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I they, you know, they're part of the reason that they fought all this stuff in the face of all common sense for so long is because to allow athletes to make a ton of money off their own likenesses, the same way they'd be able to in any other walk of life, is to admit that they are money making institutions and anything other than 
the stupid fallacy of whatever a student athlete is supposed to be as the NCAA sees it. And that all of these things would mark the beginning of the end. And they're not wrong. Like this will push us towards something else. Um, and you know, they can decide if they want to be a passenger or not. So yeah, it was something, you know, yet another step, but it's, it's so clear, right. That the NCAA has no friends in the courts whatsoever. And the more decisions roll in, the more they're just going to get chipped away. And we'll just, I guess we'll see how the next five to 10 years play out on all that. My favorite was Mark Emmert sending like an internal memo within the NCAA <laughs> suggesting that like the Kavanaugh stuff doesn't matter because like if the other justices agreed with it, they would have all signed on to that, which is not exactly how it works. Um, yeah. And the fact that Kavanaugh is like at best the, the sixth, most likely judge to support labor claims, um, right. like does not bode well for you, Mark Emmer. No, not not at all. <laughs> all is well. All is well. <laughs> <laughs> let's turn our attention to the recruiting trail. Um, yes, let's. Kind of, kind oh of boy. A, a rough pivot there, but I think this is uh, somewhere that we're all really excited about. Um, I feel like we need one of those giant bells that they have in Trader Joe's or something. Yeah, pretty this much. Is, this is so crazy, too. I'm trying to think of when, I guess, when we last recorded, there's a chance that by the time some of you listen to this pod, we will have signed eight recruits since the last time you listened. I guess seven or eight recruits. Um, yeah, I'm trying, to, I'm which trying is, to think when, like, if we'd even talked about um, Did we talk about Nick Herzog? I, yeah, Nick Herzog, nope. Braden Bruce. I, I don't think we've talked about any of those guys, but like nope. we've not. Uh, and so then, in just so in, could in be, the past, yeah. you know, we're recording this on the on the twenty fourth of June. Um, yesterday, three commitments. Two days prior, another commitment. Like we've had four commitments in the past three days, and there is, appears to be rumblings like. We're, this is going to be dated by the time you hear this, possibly. There might be two more coming tomorrow. Yep. It's it's crazy. Um, the The floodgates have opened. And, I mean, I, it's a mix of, of guys of all types. But I would say the, the big thing that's jumped out to me is there are a couple guys who the potential is absolutely insane and um the two biggest ones who jump out to me are really the two who signed i think right you know right around or just after the last pod that we recorded which is herzog and and is it bruce or bruss we're gonna need to get a um haven't seen an official pronunciation guide on that so a a confirm so these two guys um herzog is I would say, you know, he's an offensive lineman. Where he ends up, I think, weight-wise will determine whether he's a center or a guard. Um, I guess possibly a tackle. Um, Bruce is, or Bruss, is a linebacker. Um, He's a linebacker who's listed at 6'1", 212. And, I mean, he looks like someone who had to really work to put on the weight to get up to 212. Um, So these guys are both, um, I would say guys who are a little small for their position outside linebacker and and in Herzog's case somewhere along the offensive line. I say that only because 
you look at their offer lists, which are both very distinguished, but lack at the Alabamas, the Auburn, you know, Al- Alabama, USC, Georgia, Oklahoma, etc., are not on these lists. And I bring that up only because these guys, their tape is friggin' stupid. It is ridiculous. Some of the best tape you will ever see. Where you just like where you're like, these two look like different humans. Um, Herzog, the one we tweeted it out. Oh my god. <laughs> there is a play on a screen pass where he's playing tackle. He grabs the defensive end, chucks him to the ground, and then beats... hurls him like like three yards through the air. Yeah, he hurls him three yards through the air and then beats the running back out into the into the second level to decleat the safety on one play. It is staggering. And then Bruss, Bruce, um, he is so the he is from this family that is based. So his first cousin is arguably like the Michael Jordan of CrossFit. And that is like a family thing. He competed as a 15 year old and finished fourth in the world in CrossFit in his age group. Um, and he just looks like like the athleticism on the tape. He's one of the fastest linebackers you will ever see. And I was watching the tape and thinking of the kind of guy he was. And the two comps that jumped into my head were Sam McGuffey and Adam Archuleta. And both of those guys, Archuleta in particular, was a guy who was known to be this like absolute training junkie in high school and had this like Russian coach who taught him to do all these crazy hamstring exercises that like made his athleticism like unbelievable. Um and I see that kind of thing with Bruss. And then McGuffey, who was a running back, was another guy who was just a phenomenal athlete coming out of high school. Um, but he was like a five-star recruit. And then like later on became, you know, a member of the Olympic bobsled team. And I'm like, I'm looking at Bruss and being like, yeah, I see this exact same thing. But until then, these two guys just athletic Martians. I mean, you look at this and you're like, if... These guys can only hit big. If one or both of them puts it together at the college level, they're just going to be way better athletes than everybody else. Like, I'm, you know, it's like you look at the tape and it's just staggering. We got these guys. And I'm just like, uh, it's it's just awesome. I feel like Bruss is going to find a kindred spirit in Alex Spanos. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's 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 incredible. Um, The the other thing. I would say is I see a lot of Jim O'Neill fingerprints on this class. Um, One, and we tweeted about it. One of our most recent recruits as of recording um, is um, Dennis Jack. Again, pronunciations we're going to have to learn. I think it's Dennis Jack has or Dennis Dennis Jack Jack was. Who's a defensive end from New Jersey, who is um, another lean athletic um, guy where he's listed at 6'4", 235, but in interviews, he says they see me at like, you know, 255, 260. But in his, you know, I was what, reading an interview with him on 24-7 Sports. We tweeted about this where he's talking about they see me as a pass rushing type. They see me dropping back into coverage. And it's like, if you get the feeling when he's saying that, he's not saying that as like dropping back into coverage 
every 10th or 15th play because that's what I've watched Gaztown do and that's what I've watched Dean Lowry do and etc. It's more like, you know, you start to be like, are are they seeing you as like a 3-4 outside linebacker type? But like, it's you see like a lot of hybrid and what O'Neal's, you know, you see O'Neal trying to do. Another reflection of this is the fact that we have two guys signed in this current class, Devin Turner and Robert Fitzgerald, who are safeties. And by recording, by the time this pod airs and has listened to you all, we may have signed at least one more safety as well. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I think we've got a pretty good feeling that one of our upcoming commitments is going to be a safety as well. So you see a lot of that, and I think, and then you you fold in, again, a freak like Braden Bruss, and like a lot of fast guys who can move around and have a lot of flexibility, attacking players, downhill players. Um, And you see like guys where you can be like, this guy's a weapon and we're going to put him anywhere and we're going to throw him at you from anywhere. Um, And everything Jim Leonard, you know, does up at Wisconsin, like a lot of that, just weapons, speed. It's super exciting. (laughs) It is exciting. I like, most of these guys, like you said earlier with, with Bross and Herzog, like they don't, the offer lists aren't jumping off the page. The stars aren't jumping off the page, but it, it doesn't take much digging to start getting excited about how these guys fit and what makes them stand out. And it like, this feels like the type of Northwestern recruiting that we've gotten really fired up about over the past few years. Like I know we get really excited anytime we get big name guys. Cause that, you know, that represents a sea change for, the program and, and what Fitz has built, et cetera. But um, the, the level of the caliber of the depth players and um, the bulk of the roster just continues to rise. And it's, it's uh, pretty freaking fun. <laughs> There's another thing too, that I've, I've, I was thinking about only because it seems to be like a trend. I'm thinking about um, Calvin Johnson, right? I, I think it's he goes by CJ. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, um, CJ Johnson, who we signed in the last class, and then Octavian Smith, who we signed in this class. And depending on how things break, and again, we're speculating, but we have at least one recruit, you know, outstanding who could potentially be a future recruit who fits the same mold. Um, I almost feel bad about the way that we're stealing all these crazy potential quarterbacks from the service academies because apparently like we're looking at, at a, a, several of these guys who are absolute speed demons who played quarterback at the high school level and projecting them at different positions. And Octavian Smith is an example of one where like this guy – like several schools like service academy schools but like smaller schools like a bowling green or a umass etc they're offering him scholarships because they want him to come play quarterback because they're like oh my god you're so flipping fast and we're like come play corner give it a shot because you're so flipping fast and we mint excellence uh, on sky team and we want you to be a part of that and that's octavian smith i mean you look at him and you're like yeah I think right now we're brimming with the confidence that we just produce awesome corners and safeties. And this guy's an unreal athlete and not like unreal, like, Ooh, look, it's look, he looks pretty fast. No, this guy's like, so like, I think he runs like a 10, seven, 100 or something like that. He's an absolute speed freak. And 
this well, guy four three I thought I saw yeah four three wow. like legit four three forty like this guy's a, a absolute sick athlete and again that that's like the sky team and it's like you look at all these guys and it's like just the level of athlete that is in this class there's so much speed and athleticism in this class and if a lot of it hits all of a sudden yeah we're gonna be one of these teams where it's like yeah northwestern's just like faster than the other schools i i I want that (laughs) sign me up so yeah i mean it's all very exciting um like i say four commits in the last two days potentially two more in the next day or two um you know talk about like opening like we talked about opening the floodgates and you know when the uh, the dead period opened up and we could actually get these kids on campus for official visits you know it, it's one thing to, to talk to the coaching staff and everyone on zoom but to, to actually see the facilities live and in person and to you know meet face to face with the coaches with the other players I, that that tells us so much about how the culture of this program has developed and it continues to, to move forward. I mean, it's just really, really cool to see. I was going back and reading through um, some of Jim, Jim O'Neill's press conference and, and early, early interviews, mostly because based on your comment, John, about um, uh, Jaquez and, and, you know, playing that outside that edge that edge position, you know, less of a, you know, the traditional D- defensive end and the hybrid role that you talked about. One of the things he mentioned in one of his press conferences, you know, was the, like the tendency to, to mix up the fronts, right. Um, in ways that Hank Woods didn't do. I mean, Hank, Hank would, you know, run zone blitzes and, you know, drop those defensive ends into, into, into zone patterns, et cetera. But this is, this is a little bit more than that. But the other piece that, that resonated with me, and I feel like this is really playing out for us right now in the defensive recruiting and also on the offensive line is um, O'Neill talking about bringing more NFL perspective, bringing more from the NFL game in terms of the coverage schemes, um, uh, verbiage. I, like to me, that's the thing when you go back five or six years, you know, Fitz breaks the the bowl streak and, you know, wins 10, 10 games Um starts to compete more purposely in the big 10, et cetera. Like the next step for this program was to become more of a destination for players with pro aspirations. And we're seeing that play out with Kurt Anderson on the offensive line. We're seeing it play out with Jim O'Neill on the defense. And I just, it's, it's a really exciting element and it, it dovetails with everything we've spoken about with these, with these recruits and the exciting things we're seeing with them. You're still getting that Northwestern, you know, kind of diamond in the rough perspective of guys like I think John you tweeted about it right like Herzog and Bruss like dudes that don't quite fit the mold that Alabama is going for in terms of like their height and their weight but like the tape's undeniable the skill set is undeniable and this is um this is Northwestern starting to break into that next echelon of not just a, a, a great school not just a great college program but one that can really develop talent for the professional league. Well, I mean, just look back to uh, that last Thursday in April when you had two, Nor- well, yeah, two yeah, Northwestern exactly. guys get to the NFL. That is another massive tick in in the recruiting. Well, you have part. to think that you have to think that that's having an effect, oh, yeah. right? I mean, like I think Northwestern just put out a 
a whole video. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Uh, kind of chronicling Greg Newsom's day, like Greg Newsom's draft day. Um, I, I saw a little one minute uh, kind of clip from it, but and I'm looking forward to watching the whole thing. But, you know, they're promoting that like crazy because that, you know, is a lot of these players, a lot of these high school kids are thinking, I want to go play in the NFL. So you say, yes, we're putting people in the NFL, but also we're freaking Northwestern. So, you know, and you hear, and sure, it's boilerplate talk, what what these guys are telling, uh, like Louis Vicaire and folks as they leave, like, oh yeah, it checks all the boxes, top 10 on the field, top 10 off the field, you know, four years for the next 40. I mean, we, we've heard these lines a million times, but, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing both sides of it, you know, kind of come into play. It's really, really cool to see. Um, I, I think that's all we have for right now. Um, you know, like I said, we've got potentially more coming. Um, by the time you hear this, there might be two more guys who've committed. Uh, we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. And, you know, the, the month is not over as far as the recruit, uh, open recruiting season. And, um, you know, there's nine official commits right now. I, I have no idea what the numbers are or what they're looking to get, but, you know, probably a bunch more yet to come and we'll, we'll kind of see how that all goes. But uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here right now? I mean, just like it's recruiting season. It's also summer preview season. Absolutely. We've, we've notched uh, Ohio state and Indiana are out there. Um, we're going to be, uh, I think releasing Penn state pretty soon here as well. And we're just going to be cranking this out over the next few months, you know, shoot us your questions about different teams. We've already gotten some, a uh, couple emails from listeners asking for, you know, uh, different perspectives or views. And, and you know, it's funny. One, one of the, one of the things we often get is, is, you know, give it, give us, give us the really reels about Northwestern. Right. Um, and I think, uh, I think we've been, been pretty spot on with that the last, the last few years, minus, you know, maybe some, some over optimism in 2019, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's summer preview time. It's time to dig into this stuff and really start to, imagine and explore what's going to be possible in the fall, both for Northwestern and, and our competition. Absolutely. I the one other thing I would tack on is you mentioned the, you know, Sam, you mentioned Fitz talking about talking to people like, look like you, where else can you top 10 university, top 10 um, football program, et cetera. Well, one of the people that he said that to recently was Matt Fortuna's uh, in, in Fortuna's article, in the athletic about Northwestern. And one of the things that came out in that article is the, as of right now, it appears that the starting five offensive linemen for Northwestern is going to be Skaronsky, Preeb, Gurak, Schmidt, Wiedeker. I don't think I've ever been as excited about a Northwestern <laughs> offensive line as I am about this group. Oh boy! Um, it is. It's. I mean, I, people talking about all, you know, Northwestern needs to do this. Northwestern needs to do this. Well, Northwestern's also going to kick the tires. And and again, the depth is there behind those guys too. But just that, the potential of that starting five, um, and you know, with Cam Porter behind them, I'm already like getting giddy. I just say I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but. 
Cam Porter gonna like running left. Yes. This year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And so yeah. But yes, it's it's all out ahead of us, and yeah, before we get there, right, we've got uh, plenty of, of fun summer previews to crank out. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlotpirates, and email the show, westlotpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John McComb and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.